Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. It's a good day. Beautiful day. Good day to serve the Lord. Good day to, to grow up in our faith, to walk with Christ, to be more committed, more determined today because this world is unstable. Who knows what might happen next? And what's most important is that as we walk on the earth, we are attached, connected, rooted, and founded and standing on a rock that is immovable. And that rock is Jesus. He is the only rock that you will ever stand on that we have available to us that is immovable. So, so let's, let's dig into God's Word today and, uh, and grow in our faith. I hope you have your Bibles with you, that you have your Word with you, that, uh, that as, we, as we go through the Word of God, that you will underline, you'll circle things, you'll let God's Spirit speak to your heart through His Word 
and, and show you things that I never say, that I may never even think about, but he, he'll reveal to you. So, so please, I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're anxious for that and you're, you're like anxious in a good way that, that God is, is going to say something to you. So let's dig. We're talking about when the going gets tough. And, and what we're talking about is people in the Bible who have faced different things, different circumstances, different trials, different uh, uh, testing, and how they stood. Some stood tall, some collapsed under pressure, and, and I know we find ourselves facing these trials all the time. Sometimes we handle things really well, other times we don't handle things well at all. But what we want to do is become more consistent. We want to keep standing on the rock and have less of the, the lows and more of the, the highs as we walk with God, that, that every time we face a trial, we're facing it in a good way. Which leads us to our passage in James chapter 1, where James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, look what he says, of many kinds. That's a good thing. Trials are going to come from everywhere. Testing, uh, temptation, the devil's going to tempt you to sin, God's going to test you in your faith, and trials are just going to come because we live on a fallen planet, and there's things that are going to happen that are going to test your faith, and, and there's going to be a trial in your life, and, and we got to figure out how we're going to handle these things. James says, do it with joy first, do it with joy, understand that they're coming, and the third thing James says to us is this, is, is that these trials, they're going to produce, they're going to grow in you, they're going to grow some something in you. And what we want it to be is something good. He wants it to produce in us perseverance, which is that stick to itness, that patience, that eternal patience that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to just hang on to God and I'm going to work my way through it. And I'm going to look for opportunities in the middle of it because perseverance is going to lead to, look, maturity, completion, not lacking anything. And so God is trying to take you somewhere through your trials, through your temptings, through your, uh, through, uh, your testing. And he's trying to produce in you a solid person that nothing on this planet will ever shake. So we're standing on the rock. We're trusting in God. We're walking with him. And we're in Acts chapter 4 today where Peter and John say we must speak up. That's what, that's what they're determined to do. Their commitment is we must stand up in the middle of our trial, which is what we're going to see they're going through. We must stand up. And here's what's happening. Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Got your word ready? Here we go. Then they called them again, the religious leaders of the day. Okay, they, they have... They have uh, a system where they are. They have uh, some legal rights where they can, um, they can, where they work with the government and they can arrest people. They can, they can um, seize people. They can um, have people brought in and answered for the things that they're doing. And so there's a lot of uh, power among the religious, uh, the religious uh, people of the, that day. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees. That whole system was tightly woven with the government. And they were allowed to, to, to exercise uh, some policing. And so they bring, they bring uh, Peter and John in. They call them in again. This is the second time. And they command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John reply, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have heard and seen. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing, like, courage and boldness of Peter and John? Like, they are so locked in to walking with Jesus 
that even if the police or the religious leaders of the day threaten them, they're like, hey, that's fine. You do what you want to us, but we're, we answer to God first, and we're going to speak up about Jesus. We will never be silent. You will never silence us when it comes to speaking up about Jesus. This doesn't mean that they're going against the law or they're going to disobey the speed limits you know, on their chariots or their horses. This doesn't mean that they're doing that. They're not rebels to the, the law system. But when it comes to, there comes a point in time where there's a line, where the things of God we must speak up for, we will not stop speaking up for. And that line we will never cross. We'll obey the law because God tells us to obey the law and to obey our authorities and all those things. But when it comes to choosing between whether we will honor God or we are going to disrespect God and honor people, the choice is very clear. We will honor God. That's what they're saying here. That's what's going on. So I want to encourage you to speak up and to speak out for the Lord Jesus in your life. That, that you and I will use every channel possible, every social media, every, everything that is in our grasp to share good news. Not be weird about it, but just share Jesus with the world. People need to know the hope of God. People need to know that there's a rock that they can grab onto and stand on and hold onto and grow in that will be greater than anything in this world and lead to eternal life. Okay, we will, we will commit ourselves to doing these things, that we'll speak up and speak out about them. So here, Peter and John they say, we can't help speaking. We can't help it. It's just in us. It's like, it's like it, what God has done for us is so great that we cannot stop from sharing it with the world. So here's what's going on. In chapter 3, uh, just one chapter earlier, if you want to flip your Bible over to that chapter and just kind of look through that, here's what's happening. Peter and John, they heal a man. He's a crippled man. He's been crippled from birth, and now he's about 40 years old. And they healed him. Remember, they, they made this statement to him. The guy's begging them for something. And Peter and John say, silver and gold, we don't have. We're not rich, you know? We're not rich, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, they say, walk. And the man, the man, here's the man's response. Verse 8 of chapter 3 is where we're at. Verse 3, uh, verse 8, he's, the man jumps to his feet. Now, this is a guy, 40 years old, been crippled all his life, never walked a day in his life. He now jumps to his feet. That's the power of God. And that power that was in Peter and John and given to that crippled man back then is still available to us today. That power is alive and working in us today. The Holy Spirit, the power of God working through us is still right there. Oh, if we would only like tap into that more, right? Don't you wish we could we could be more like in tune with what God wants and see the mighty works of God around us. You serve the Lord and you'll see glimpses of those things in your life. Trust me, I have. So here's what happens. He went into the temple courts. The crippled man gets up and goes into the temple courts with the disciples. And he's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they, they were astonished. The scripture says they were astonished. The people were amazed and, uh, at this man because for, for years, you know, not all his life, but probably a good part of the last 20 years, Somebody dragged this man or carried him, put him at the temple gate, 
where he would beg for money or for coins or for whatever you would give him. This is that guy. They would see him every day when they went into the temple courts. And now he's jumping around praising God. And the scripture says they were astonished. I wonder, I wonder, you know, when you gave your life to Christ, if you're a Christian this morning and, and there was a time where you gave your life to Jesus, what was that like for you? What was your response to Jesus when you surrendered to him and you gave your life to God? Do you remember that response? Do you remember the joy in your life when you realized that your sins had been forgiven by God? That God's word said, if you would just surrender to me, if you would just accept me as Lord, believe that I, I sent my only son, be immersed in baptism, that I would, I would, and, and repent, that I would wash away your sin and give you a place in heaven. Do you, do you remember your response to that? I, I, it's got to be for most all of us, a, a time where we felt like, like a load was lifted off of us, that, that our shame and our guilt and our sin of, of all the things that we've ever done that we, we're not proud of, we know we're wrong, we're, we're sinful, that, that God took those away from us, that he cleansed us from those, that he wasn't going to hold those uh, against us on the day of judgment. What a load lifted. You can't go to the store and buy that. I don't care how much money you have. I mean, billions and trillions of dollars you could ever have. You cannot buy forgiveness from God. It is a free gift of grace when you accept Jesus as Lord. And there is no dollar amount that can ever touch that or buy that or get that or earn that. It's only when you surrender your heart to Jesus. And I hope you'll do that. Well, anyhow, this guy, this guy, he's got this great response. And what happens is the religious religious leaders now, they're not happy. They're not happy about this. They're, they're all ticked off. And in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they come under fire, right? And, and then this is the first, we're in Acts 4, and Acts 2 was the day of Pentecost. So the church began. This is only like maybe weeks later, a few weeks later, and the first persecution against the Christians has already begun. And it's coming from not, not really the government, the Roman government, but it's coming from the religious leaders of the day, the people that are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the day. And, and the same ones that persecuted Jesus years ago are now persecuting his followers. And, and, and here's what happens. So they, they take, they're greatly disturbed, it says in verse 2. They're greatly disturbed, and here's why. Because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That in Jesus you can have eternal life, and in Jesus alone. And they were not happy with this. So what do they do? They seize Peter and John, and it, because it was evening, and they put them in jail. So, so they go from, you know, doing a kind deed to being brought before the religious leaders, and now they're thrown in jail for it. They're thrown in jail for healing a guy, for doing something good. Isn't that a backwards world? Isn't that the kind of world we're seeing right now, where violence and hate on the streets somehow is okay, but other things are not, like going to worship? Or, or, or doing things that, that you would normally do that are just social things that are not evil or not criminal behavior in any way. 
Those things are not allowed, but other things are. It's a backwards world, right? And that's what's going on here. These guys do a nice, good deed, and what do they get for it? They get thrown in jail. That's crazy, right? Uh, I, I, and it brings up a question like, like, how far are you willing to go for your faith? You know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people, you see them on the streets, they're willing to, to, to kneel down and be arrested for their cause, right? For their cause. They're willing to be arrested. They're willing to be beat up. They want to somehow be like martyred for their social justice cause. And that's great. You know, it's great if you have that kind of passion and commitment towards something that you think is important and you're willing to suffer for that. That's beautiful. But how many of us are willing to be tossed in jail for serving God? Serving the Lord. And I don't mean serving God in a martyrdom way where it's really evil, but you're just saying it's because God said to do it. I'm not talking about craziness. I'm just talking about speaking up, standing on the truth, speaking what's right, pointing out facts, and then being willing to, to take the heat. How many of us would go to jail for our faith? I hope more and more of us, because the day may come where you will have to stand or you will have to be silent. And then there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a result of that. There's going to be suffering if you choose to speak. This whole passage is about this kind of a decision. We're going to get to that. So they're thrown in jail. Verse 4, but many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to about, look at this, 5,000. Okay, a couple chapters ago, we were at 3,000 believers, people coming to know Jesus. Now, the church is being persecuted all of a sudden, and it grows to 5,000. Talk about God using a vehicle to lead you to completion. God is using now, and he's going to use this vehicle of persecution. It started with Jesus, and it's going to continue with the apostles, and he's going to use the vehicle of suffering and persecution to grow the kingdom of God. That's awesome. You know why? Because it causes people to choose. It causes people to have to decide where they're at, what they believe in, what's most important to them. Are they living for the things of this world? Or are they going to live for God, the, the, the creator of the universe, almighty God, the one who has power over life and death and heaven and hell and the grave itself? Like we're going to have to choose. That's, that's where this is going. And so here's what happens next. Uh, the, the, the next day, the, the rulers uh, and the elders, this is who the they is, the elders and the rulers and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, Annas, the high priest was there, some of his family, right? And, and so were Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priests, these are the religious leaders, his family. They had Peter and John brought in before them, and they began to question them, by what power or by what name did you do this? Okay, what name, what power did you heal this person? Now, it seems to me right here that, one, these guys are not happy. They're not happy, and they want to put an end to this because they know already what power and what name they did this. What they're hoping for is they would say something else. Like, they would change their story, and they'd let them go and say, okay, quit causing a disturbance. But, but they don't want to hear 
that it is Jesus again. Okay? Because remember, they thought they got rid of Jesus. They just nailed him to a cross not long ago, not even months ago. They nailed him to a cross. And now they got to deal with his apostles teaching and preaching and healing in the name of Jesus. They would have rather they said any other name in the world, they would have let him go. But if they say the name Jesus, this is going to cause great problems because the power of God continues to move on the planet even though they crucified the Son of God. And so these moments, you know, these moments come, these, these moments come when you least expect it, don't they? Like you're just going about your day and all of a sudden out of nowhere, something just, just presents itself as this, this, this moment, this moment that you have to like make a decision what you're going to do how you're going to respond, right? Isn't it crazy? Like trials and troubles and attacks, they are that vehicle that lead us to big opportunities. Think about it. Some of the biggest opportunities come in the midst of a major calamity. Hurricane hits, right? You survive. And now you have an opportunity to, to just worry about you or to or to go on, a, go on a mission to help as many people as possible. And, and that's the opportunity. And you only have moments to decide what you're going to do. Or, or a number of situations that are kind of crisis situations. We have to act quick. We have to make a decision. Is it just going to be about me and saving my own skin? Or am I going to be the kind of person that is going to suffer and sacrifice for those around me? And that's what's going on right here. These moments don't come very often. This is why that verse in James that says, consider pure joy, right? Whenever you face trials of many kinds, our, 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 our springboard verse, because you know that it's producing uh, in you perseverance that's leading you to completion. It's leading you to maturity. It's leading you to not lacking anything. This is what's going on right now for Peter and John. And here in Acts 4, Peter, in Acts 4, Peter is like studied up, Peter is prayed up, and Peter and John, they stand up. And uh, just check this out. I'm going to point out a couple things here. Don't, don't you just love Peter's response? I love Peter's response, right? They just threaten him, or they just ask him, by what power or by what name did you do this? Did you heal this man? And this man's there with them, by the way. We're going to find that out. This man's right there. And, and by what name did you do this? Notice, first of all, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that's a big thing. That's not a little thing. Because if he's not filled with the Holy Spirit, this does never happen. Not, none of this happens. And, and his response doesn't happen either. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the courage, the boldness, the wisdom, and the direction to do things that are going to honor God. And without the Holy Spirit, you might do some things that honor God, but most of your life will be about you. But with the Holy Spirit living in your life, with you dead to yourself, alive to Christ, crucified with him, Holy Spirit living in your life, now you're living by the direction and the orchestration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. That's how we're going to live our life. What a beautiful thing. What a powerful thing. There is so much power in that. I hope every one of us listening today 
will want to live right there in the stream, in the powerful stream of God's Holy Spirit, His Word, His direction, His power, His wisdom, moving, drawing us, leading us to honor Him and live for Him. I hope we will be doing that. So Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice he's not flirting around with the Holy Spirit like a lot of us do. He's not, he's not just hanging around the Holy Spirit, showing up at church once in a while, you know, yeah, okay, I'll give God his 10%. You know, that attitude is not filled with the Holy Spirit. That attitude is like, I'll have a little Holy Spirit. It's like being at a, at a buffet, you know, I'll have a little Holy Spirit, and I'll have some mashed potatoes and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, it's like, it's like a mixed up life. Don't live that way. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter is. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he has completely surrendered himself completely to Jesus, to God. He is sold out and he is full, full, not, not half full, not part full. He is full of God. And then all they did, all Peter and John, Peter and John did was this kind act. Right? They ask him, by what name, what power did you do this? He, first, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And secondly, they did a kindness. They, they did this kind act for this crippled man. That's all they did. It's like, what did we do wrong? Like, we healed the man. Shouldn't we be happy for that? Shouldn't we be thankful that this man no longer has to beg at the gate? Shouldn't we be happy that this man can now walk around? See, we're not, we don't care about the people. Man, this is so relevant today, isn't it? We don't care about the people. We're just concerned about our position and our authority and our, our, our income and our popularity and our, 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 our rule. How sad, right? How sick and sad that these guys can't be thrilled for a man who is healed, who's been crippled for 40 years his whole life. Instead, they're going to be mad at the men who healed him because they did it in the name of Jesus. That is upside down. That's the world we live in. It's upside down. It is not right. And if you're going along with the world, you're going in the wrong direction. Our, our, our job is to fight it. We are living a fallen, sinful world. We're supposed to stand up for truth and righteousness and what, what is of God. We are not going to be moving in the same direction as the world. If you are, you're going the wrong, wrong way. And so all they did was this act of kindness. And then, and since you asked, like, and since you asked, then know this. <laughs> These guys are bold, man. And he says, then know this. It's Jesus. It's that Jesus. Remember the guy that you killed, the guy that you flogged, religious leaders. Remember that guy you had sentenced not even months ago, right over there on that hill. You spit on him. You rejected him. You nailed him to a cross and you murdered him. That's the name. That's the person who did this. He's the one responsible for this man's healing. Wow. That is a powerful, powerful statement, full of courage, because they can have their heads chopped off the minute they utter these words. They don't care. See, all they care about is standing up for the things of God. There's a fire that's burning so deep in their hearts that it does not matter what the world thinks. It does not matter what the world says, and it does not matter what the world will do to me. You will not put out the fire 
in my heart. Oh, I hope that fire is burning in you. That fire of God that's in you, that's giving you a passion to love him and to serve him and to speak up for him, like to tell anyone and everyone, anyone that will listen about what God has done for you. I hope, man, I hope that's burning in you. Notice verse 11 and 12. This is the end of this, this section. He, you, know, you know, guys, uh, Peter says here in this statement, it's like he's saying, you, you guys know this. But I'm going to say it anyway, okay? I'm going to say it anyway. Remember, uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, they asked him what power he did this. And now he says, you guys know that the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. In other words, in construction, you know that stone that you looked at and you said, it's shaped weird, there's no way it's going to fit with all the others because the other ones are rectangle shaped. This one's got a weird shape to it. We're going to toss it aside. It doesn't fit. And in ignorance, they didn't realize it's the capstone. It's the one that ties everything together. It's the most important stone in the whole building. If you're building an arch, you have to have that one that's odd shaped to tie the others together. They rejected it. They threw it away. That's the reference to a construction kind of mind. But it's also a reference to Psalm 118, verse 22, a passage of scripture that they should have known. They should have been familiar with this passage about this capstone that got rejected. It's a prophecy about the Messiah. These are the religious leaders of the day. They should know these verses. They, they, they memorize these things. They should have them down pat. And yet they are doing to Jesus exactly what the scriptures said would happen to Jesus. And they themselves are the one who are actually fulfilling it. They are rejecting the capstone. They are rejecting Jesus. And they continue to persecute him. Here's, here's what's going on here. This is, this is why this is pride. And this is ego. And this is personal agenda all coming together in people to have control. They don't care about the truths. They don't care about the facts. And again, this is so relevant for our world today. They don't care about anything. All they care about is that they get their way. That's what they care about more than anything, that we get control and we get our way. We don't care who we got to step on. We don't care if you're the Messiah. We don't care if the scriptures are pointing to you or you somehow fulfilled them all. We don't care. We want our power. And in the midst of this, they are fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> they are fulfilling the very scriptures that are talking about Jesus. They know what the scriptures say. They simply do not care. And while you're chewing on that, verse 12, salvation, Peter goes on, salvation is found in no one else. By the way, this capstone you rejected by the name of Jesus that this man is healed and stands before you here in a minute. He is. Jesus is salvation and it's found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He is the only one that can save a soul. He's the only one that can save your soul. Peter has now gone from sharing what happened to preaching to these religious leaders because they need Jesus. How many religious people today need Jesus? A lot of them. Some of them have Jesus. They understand that Jesus is a life changer and, and you surrender and you're no longer yours and they get it. Other people are just going through the motions. They go to church. They, they have religious activities in their life. 
but they're not 100% sold out, filled with the Holy Spirit and surrendered to Jesus. I hope we will move more and more towards surrendering, complete surrendering to Jesus. And at this, here's what happens. At this, they take note that a couple things. One, these men are full of courage. They're filled with courage. And they realize that they're unschooled and ordinary men, just typical fishing guys, right? These are no, no scholars among this group, really. And they're astonished, and they took note that these men are the same men that had been with Jesus. And they are astonished. They are astonished. How can we be more astonishing for Jesus? How can you and I be more astonishing for Jesus? How can you and I show more courage? How can you and I, even though we're just ordinary people, live lives that are full of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit? How can you and I live such lives that shows the evidence of who we are and how we act and what we think and how we respond shows that we are hanging out with Jesus, that we are a men and women in the Word of God who know Jesus and are letting Jesus have full control of our life? How can we astonish people with Jesus living in us. These are the things we should be about. These are the things that we should be most concerned about. But then again, here's the proof. Here's the proof of their faith. It's this crippled guy. He's healed, and he's standing right there before him. This is not a lot of hot air. From Peter and John just talking about this Jesus guy. There's a man here who was born crippled. Now he's 40, and he's standing there among them, and everyone knows that he has been healed, and they could say nothing. They could say nothing. And so what they do is they bully them. They're not going to go along with this healing and be glad for the man. They're going to bully the disciples. And here's what they say in verse 18. They warn them, they call them in again, and they warn them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then, then this verse, verse 19, Peter and John take all this in, and here's what they say. Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you, religious leaders, or to listen to God? You go ahead and be the judge. You, you do what you need to do. Be the judge of that. You can determine whatever you want, but... You can't make us do anything. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That, that's, that's a couple of guys that are so full of Jesus in their life. They are so locked on to God that, that, that nothing is going to penetrate their focus. Like the money, money isn't going to do it. Uh, fame isn't going to do it. Recognition isn't going to do it. Popularity isn't going to do it. Like having things and having stuff. None of that is going to penetrate that fact that they are locked on with Jesus. And they're going to honor God. They're going to serve Jesus. They're going to do good. And whatever happens because of it, through the, through the lenses or the powers of evil, so be it. But we are going to live in this channel of God's light and love 
and we're going to impact everyone and everything that we can along the way. That's what they're going to do. And that's what they're determined to do, and that's what they say they are going to do. So here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Two things as we wrap this up, okay? Just two things real quick. Number one is this, in the way of application, the time to choose what side you are on is upon us, okay? The time to choose which side you are on is clearly upon you and me. And I'm not just saying this in light of this passage, in light of God and the Word of God, but I'm talking about this world. I'm talking about this world as it continues to move more and more dark. It's, it's already dark because of the sin and rebellion on the planet, but it is getting more and more dark. If you can't see that, you gotta, you got to look a little closer, but it's happening. There's going to come a day where you're going to have to really choose on this planet who it is you serve. If you stand for truth, if you stand for what's right, if you stand for God, if you stand for its will, if you stand for the Lord, you're going to have to choose. That day is coming. I hope you see it. Now's the time to prepare. Prepare now for that moment because it's going to come and you're going to have to decide whose side you are on and that day is already upon us. It's already happening in our world. If you say certain things, you're accepted. If you say other things, you are going to be persecuted and hated for saying those things because they don't go along with the, 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 the wide road that leads to destruction. If you are not following the wide road, if you are speaking against the wide road of destruction, you are going to get called out. It's happening already, and it's going to happen more and more. Mark my words. Jesus is coming. The end is near. I don't know how near, but it's near. And you've got to decide. We all got to decide what side we are on, and it's now, okay? To listen to men or to listen to God. That's what we got to decide. To support the truth and honor or to, to, to go along with the chaos and the evil. To, to, to support and walk with the, the ways of Almighty God or to choose selfishness and worldliness and go along with the people of this world. Here's the thing. In a fallen world, this has always been the decision that we face. Every human being. Uh, it's ever walked that will ever walk on this planet has got to face this decision. What side am I on? Jesus said, come follow me. Right? Jesus said, come follow me. In other words, he's also saying, you don't have to. It's your choice. You don't have to come follow me if you don't want to, but come follow me. The invitation is for you, for everyone. Come follow me if you choose. To the rich man, Jesus said, go sell everything and come follow me. And the man went away sad he chose. He chose his riches. He didn't want to give up his riches. And he chose his riches over Jesus. Jesus gave him a choice. Many, the scripture says, put their faith in Jesus. Many, not all. Some chose not to. From that time on, many of the disciples, and John uh, says, they no longer followed Jesus. They chose to follow him, and then they chose to walk away. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my knock and opens the door, I'll come in. If you don't open the door and accept Jesus into your life, he will not come in. He's not going to pound your door down. He's not going to keep beating on it. You choose. You can open the door for Jesus or not. It's your choice. We all have to decide. We have to decide what, what we're going to do. Follow him or not. Joshua said a similar thing. He said, choose this day who you will serve, either the gods of this world or the Lord God himself, right? But as for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve 
the Lord. The time to choose what side you are on is upon us. Please take this seriously. This is not a joke. You have got to decide. Eternity, eternal life is what is at stake. Heaven and hell is what is at stake. And what I'm telling you today, Peter said, do what you must do. But we will do this. We will preach about Jesus. And number two is this. If Jesus is alive in you, you cannot help but speak of what he has done for you. If he's truly in you, you will find this passion in you, this drive in you to share the Lord with people everywhere and anywhere. If that's not happening in your life, you've got to question your faith. You've got to question, is Jesus alive and working in me? Because if he is, what he wants to do is, is reach the world. And if you're not trying to reach the world, then you're either getting in the way of Jesus reaching the world, or he's simply not even in you. You have to decide what side you're on, and then you have to let God do whatever it is he wants and what will happen is he'll create this desire and this passion to, to use you to share him with the world. And you will do it with gladness. You will do it willingly. Remember, the mission the mission was to share the good news. Jesus came to proclaim good news and then to send men off to share good news. And if you're a Christian, your mission is to go and share the good news. Not grudgingly, not because you have to, but because you want to tell people of what he's done all through time and what he's done for you in your life, that he has forgiven you, that he has saved you, that he has washed away your sin. That the scriptures teach us that when we surrender to Jesus, he cleanses us and we can have a place in heaven and we can serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is what we know he does in us because the scriptures teach us this. And when you're putting the word of God into your life, the word of God is going to come out of your life. And you're going to want to share Jesus with the world. The apostles went from town to town speaking and proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. In some places, the message was received with joy, and in other places, they were persecuted. It did not matter. They're going to share anyway. It doesn't matter what people do or how they respond. That's up to God. Let that God do his job. You do yours. Share the good news with the world. Share the good news with people. Use your Facebook. Use your Instagram. Use whatever you have to do it in love, but to share the word with the world. Jeremiah said, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his message, his message becomes a burning, a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones, and I become weary of holding it in. I cannot. It prevails. That's what Jeremiah said. Like this fire in my bones is so great. I can't hold it in. When Jesus is really, truly alive in you, and you have, you have really realized that, you know what, the things of this world don't matter. My house doesn't matter. My stuff doesn't matter. You know, the, fan, the fact that I'm a fan of the Bills, does, that doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's meaningless in the end. What does matter is Christ and everything connected to Christ. When, that, when you get to a point where you, can, where you can sift everything out of your life that you have as a part of your life, and you come to a deep realization and understanding that none of that matters. All that matters is Jesus and eternal life and heaven and eternal things. 
When you get to that point, that, 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 that will burn in your heart and you'll realize that not only do you need that, but there's people around you that need that and you want to find ways to share that with the world. And you will find ways to do that. God will open doors for you. Paul said in Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Go bring good news to the world, right? That's what we should do. And this crippled man, he leaped to his feet and he immediately began to share Jesus. That's what he did. Peter and John were, were saying, like, we can't, we cannot speak. We have to speak. When Jesus is alive and working in you, two things happen. Two things. Number one, there is evidence that he is working in you. And number two, the opposition will be silenced. That's what happens when the truth of God works in a person. Nobody can say anything because the evidence is very real and it's right there. Question is, is he alive in you? Is he alive in you? Is he working in you? Is he? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? Are you washed in his grace? Make your choice. Stand your ground and never stop speaking for the truth and what he has done for you. When the going gets tough, these two guys, Peter and John, were filled with courage, filled with boldness, and they were unafraid to speak up for the name of Jesus.